1: Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
0: I want to take a second to shout out our friends at betonline.ag. It's that time of the year again, and all eyes are now turning to football as teams are back. On the gridiron to start the football season. As always, bet online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. Get all the updated odds, props, and contests, including online's biggest half million dollar NFL mega contest and the world's largest $200,000 NFL Survivor Contest, open now at Online. Head to the website or use your mobile device today to sign up today to receive your 100% welcome bonus. For new customers only when signing up and use the promo code NFL100. Hello, everybody. Welcome into a new edition of the Patriots Beat Podcast here on the Patriots Press Pass, and com network. I am Evan Lazar, joined as always by 98.5's Alex Barth. And Alex, Artia for the show today, we're going to discuss and dissect and break down all of the individual plays and all of the little minutias, as we always do here on, on Patriot's Beat. But the bird's eye view, the big picture topic coming into this that we wanted to hit on was... The frustrating part from Sunday's loss to the Miami Dolphins is that this felt a lot like last year's team, right? You outgained them. You out time of possession them. You're better on third downs. The Patriots almost gained 400 yards of offense in this game and somehow only put up 16 points, and they lose because they shot themselves in the foot. Fumbles, penalties, some poor situational play calling, I thought, on the offensive side of the football for Josh McDaniels. That, all felt like the 2020 Patriots, right? But then when you take a step back and you kind of, you know, go about it and take your emotions out of it, right, for a second and take the pain and the loss out of it for a second, you look at this and you come away, especially when you watch the tape and you say, wow, th- there was a lot of really good things and a lot of really good starting points for this Patriots team to hang their hat on moving forward and none bigger, of course, than rookie quarterback Mac Joe.
1: Yeah, and I think that's you know I I I don't entirely agree with the fact that it felt like last year, and I think and you sort of alluded to there when you said the bird's eye view, but I think the big element is last year, it it just it was what it was, you know. I the worst thing you could be, I guess I have to update this take now, but the worst thing you could be last year in the NFL is a seven and nine team with no direction. Yeah. If and that's what the Patriots were. It's literally what they were. Seven and nine, no direction. This year, there's, you know, you're building to something. And we now know, okay, Mac Jones is a player. This kid fits in the NFL. I thought there were some other players that either rookies who we now know they fit in the NFL or just new acquisitions that it's like, okay, they can produce in this system. Um, I, We'll get into some of these other names, but I thought Christian Barmore had an outstanding game, even though he was, wasn't near the ball a ton. He impacted the game. Both tight ends. Uh, Matt Judon, guys who we now see it. There it is on tape. Regular season, boom, they fit, the pieces are there. So that's encouraging. To me, what this game reminded me of is, you know, flip the, flip the rolls. This is how the Patriots won games for years, where there would be, and not every game they won, but two or three times a year, they would get outplayed by some young upstart team. But, you know, that team was young. They're maybe undisciplined. They'd make a couple stupid mistakes, whether it was turnovers or penalties, and the Patriots would end up winning the game. They Again, they won that way for a long time because they were the more veteran experienced team with the core. Um The Patriots were on the other side of that on Sunday, and that's going to happen. It's going to happen with the young team. You thought it was going to be the quarterback, not everybody else letting the quarterback down. Um, But, you know, that's kind of, you know, four-year window, year one, game one. They didn't spend $350 million in the offseason and draft a quarterback in the first round to say, all right, we beat the Miami Dolphins week one. We're done here. Call it a day. The project was successful. Right. That's not what this was. So it's frustrating for sure, especially it being a division win. But uh, I think there's a lot, a lot to be encouraged by when you go back and watch that game.
0: Right. And, and you just hit the nail on the head. People overreacting to week one game number one of the Mac Jones era can get the hell out of here with that. Right. Like this is a you can loss react for you, to it, but not that. Not you can't act like the result. Right. Judging the team based record. off of what happened Sunday and the result of the game on Sunday, I think, is is being short-sighted, right? that That's basically right. what I'm saying. This,
1: this year, in some ways, and I'm going to get a ton of heat for saying this because people are going to misunderstand what I'm saying, but Evan will yeah. understand it. And the smart people watching will understand it. This year is almost, in some ways, just one big preseason
0: Yeah, for Mac Jones and the offense. Well, he played a lot better than the quarterback in his first preseason. So let's get – or first season in general. Let's get to some of the Mac stuff. I do have a play that I want to pull up here in a few minutes, but we can talk about it first and just discuss, first and foremost – the word poise comes to mind with this performance. And I think that's really important when you go ahead and you watch to all these other rookie quarterbacks, even guys like Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson that played in week one and played significant snaps. You look at Mac Jones's poise in the pocket. The fact that the game did not look too big for him at any point, maybe early on, it felt like he was easing his way into it a little bit and had some nerves. But once he settled down, there was no you didn't see anything face him right there was there was no real panic in mac jones's game he then also stood in I there side of the first the first drop back I yeah no quarter. i i know like i said first quarter or so i thought oh yeah that, okay yeah 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 he was a little bit shaky and kind of needed to He had some nerves, right? Which is what you would expect for a rookie making his first career start in the NFL. But then you get into the third, second and third quarter and it really started to turn on for Mac Jones. And he looked like the player that we have been touting and, and hyping up in the preseason and in training camp. And, David Andrews talked about it. The Patriots coaches talked about it today. The toughness to stand in there and take nine quarterback hits and just keep getting up and keep making throws, staring down the barrel, knowing the bullets coming right at you and being able to stand in there. That that's not most rookie quarterbacks you get hit a couple of times, especially in your first career start, you start to get rattled. Right. And you start to you start to fade on your throws or you start to get the ball out early or panic in the pocket. There was zero signs of panic from Mac Jones. And there was also a whole lot of really smart cerebral processing type of plays, both pre and post snap that were extremely impressive as well.
1: Yeah. Again, a lot of, and you know, I'll, I'll kind of take my lumps on this. I said, I'd like to see him sit back and kind of learn some of this stuff uh, from the backseat behind Kim Newton for the first couple of weeks. And he didn't need that. He is as advertised, the most NFL ready quarterback in the draft. I've yeah. been putting a Trevor Lawrence kind of disclaimer on that take. I, I, I might not need to. Yeah. Trent Lawrence threw three picks against a bad football team a bad Houston, Texas football team. So uh, yeah, again, with Mac Jones, you know, he's going to give you this. And the reason why I'm saying, yeah, losing to a, a, by the way, decent Miami dolphins team. I think that's a, that's a decent team, uh, especially defensively. Yeah. Defensively for sure. The, the reason why, you know, you say, okay, well, you know, losing that team is sort of okay. Because again, it's this four year window that they're in. They're in a four year window to win a title. It'd be great if they won one year one, but that's not, how it's built. That's not how things are done in the NFL. The Patriots have just been in this other category for so long. What, what he showed us on Sunday is that they don't need to start over, right? Because if the quarterback can't play, if you draft the quarterback and you realize he can't play, I don't know how many times the bears have reset their four year window, right? Or the Browns have reset their four year window. What Mac Jones showed us, all right, this is a guy who conceivably like, all right, you have the quarterback. Let's get this rolling. Let's go. So, um, that, you know, that's, that's sort of where that comes from. And again, some of that mental stuff, that's normally what clicks later. And there's still some stuff that needs to click for Mac Jones, but that's normally some of the last stuff to click. And he clearly had that on Sunday and
0: against, against a complicated defense. Right. I think that is the the thing that stood out the most was, Brian Flores sent 21 blitzes at Mac Jones in this game. Mac Jones dropped back to pass 40 times and Brian Flores blitzed him on 21 of them, right? So 21 blitzes at a rookie quarterback and he handled all of it pretty well. Under pressure, Mac Jones' passer rating was 102.7. In his first career start against a very complex defense that was trying to tee off on him, he had a passer rating while under pressure of 102.7. If the Patriots – get that level of quarterback play from Mac Jones and i don't think it's that outlandish to think that he can string those types of consistent games together because it wasn't like he went out there and threw for 400 yards and four touchdowns right i mean this was a pretty mediocre you look at the stat line and he had what he, i think it was like two uh 281 in a touchdown i mean it's a good stat line but it's not a fantastic one right so to think that right. he can keep replicating that i i think is easily doable and i want to pull up this play here from uh, the second half against the uh, Miami Dolphins, obviously. And I-, I want you to look at, first and foremost, this pre-snap look that Mac Jones has here. So i, I will roll the play a little bit more. So on the trip side of this formation, on the left side, Alex, this is a cover one look, right? All these corners over here on the trip side, they are all lined up over uh, their receivers here, right? Man-to-man here, man-to-man there, man-to-man. and you have man-to-man here on the backside. This safety is creeping into the box and, and sort of in the middle of the field. And by this look with the single high safety up top and man-to-man across the board, you have some sort of one robber or one cut type of coverage where if they run that crossing route from the trip side, this safety is going to cut it off, right? That's the look that he's getting pre-snap. Now let's watch what happens when we roll this play and where what this Dolphins defense ends up doing post-snap. So as we roll the play, the Dolphins are going to fall into cover two. All right, so here we go pre-snap. We're seeing cover one, right? Now all of a sudden they drop, and now they have two split safeties. They got these corners falling underneath, and it's a four under, two deep coverage, right? Totally different from what he was thinking that he was going to get Pre-snap. So he's going to come over here and work this route combination. And Kendrick Bourne's route here is really important. He is running what the Patriots call a branch route. So what he's going to do is he's just going to sit this route down off of these two players underneath this defense right there right this outside corner and this hook uh, seam defender there he's also got this vertical route on the sideline by Nelson Aguilar he knows that Nelson Aguilar is going to be in this cover two hole right we talk about the honey hole Uh, I think John Gruden likes to call it the turkey hole right that's the hole right here in this cover two coverage so what Mac does in the pocket next is also really important and pretty awesome. So if you watch Mac go in the pocket, he's going to open his shoulders and pump fake to Kendrick Bourne's route. So watch him open his shoulders and see that little shoulder fake and watch what it does to this corner at the bottom of the screen. When he sees that pump fake, like Ken, like he's going to throw here to Kendrick Bourne, Mac gets that corner to fall off of Nelson Aguilar's route. You see the corner leaves him right there at the top of this route. And then he's going to go ahead. And not only is he going to throw this ball while getting hit in the pocket, getting staring down that chamber again, he's going to throw a back shoulder and away from the half field safety to protect Kendrick Bourne from the incoming safety. So these are the types of throws that this is not dink and dunk, right? This is a 20, 25 yard dart from the far hash. He's on the far hash right? So he's throwing this across the entire field on a dime and he's putting it in the perfect situation too. So this is the type of quarterbacking play that you see. Post-snap coverage rotation read, being able to manipulate the coverage and get that outside corner to fall off of Nelson Aguilar and jump that Kendrick Bourne route and then making the throw in the right spot. Mac Jones made five to six of these plays that i broke down in my film review today where you just look at it and you are just like my goodness right like this guy is in his first career start and he's making all of these kinds of adjustments on the fly reads on the fly post snap coverage rotation reads throwing the football accurately in good places for the receiver right we're not throwing it in the middle of the field towards the half-field safety, we're throwing it back shoulder to protect the receiver from the oncoming hit. That play right there to me was a – that's a veteran, elite-level quarterback play. PFF gave him a big-time throw for it. That is one of those throws that you expect from the great quarterbacks around the league to make, and Mac Jones is making it week one, day one, against a really good Miami Dolphins defense.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, it, like you just broke it down there. Again, there's there's levels to what he was doing. It wasn't, you know, basic vanilla. It, we'll talk about kind of how they managed to the playbook and, and Josh McDaniel's play calling. I'm sure you want to get into that. But yeah. in terms of, you know, I don't necessarily think, oh, how do I phrase this? They, I don't think they took anything out from the beginning and just said, you know, on Wednesday or Thursday, Hey, we're not going to run this because Mac can't. I think everything was available for him and yeah. they, they trusted him to run everything. Now situationally on a play to play basis, I'll let you get into that. Cause I know you're, you're kind of hot about that, but it didn't feel like they had to hold the offense back as a whole for him.
0: Right, and I think the main thing that I wanted to show in that play in particular, because I, I almost pulled up the seam splitter to Nelson Aguilar early in the game because that throw was really good pre-snap read, right? He understood what he was getting pre-snap with the two high safeties, slid to protection, made sure he picked up the blitz on the left side and, and darted the ball in the middle of the field. Really good throw, really good process pre-snap. But why? what I liked so much about that play was it's all post-snap, right? It's one thing to be able right. to make the first read right? And when you get a stagnant defense and you see too high and you get too high post snap and you make the seam splitter throw, that's all well and good. But when you can react on the fly to post snap rotations and know where you're going with the football and then have the wherewithal to give that little shoulder pump fake, right, to pull the corner off of the vertical route on the outside and make these little just detailed minutia plays from the pocket, that's When people say, uh, oh, Tom Brady doesn't have the biggest arm, he doesn't have the the most legs, he's not the most mobile guy, what makes him so great? For 20 years, those are the things that Tom Brady would do, right? And Mac Jones is showing those types of things. He's not Tom Brady. We're not saying he's going to be Tom Brady, but he's showing those types of things day one. And that's really, really impressive. Now, you talk about the playbook, and I went back and finally have been able to watch the coaches' film here this afternoon, and I do want to credit the Dolphins' defense. I thought that they took away most of the big plays that the Patriots did try to dial up down the field to Nelson Aguilar. In particular, they also had one play that I'm sure Mac was seeing in the film room and want back, where that's he had... No, it had Johnny Smith on a corner route off of play action that he came off of and checked it down early, but he easily could have hit Johnny for a big play. There was one that Hunter Henry did seem to get up the seam a little bit against a too high, and maybe he thought that the linebacker just didn't have a way to pull it out of that. But I overall, I thought the Dolphins did a really good job of taking away the deep shots, and if the game plan going in is to avoid Xavier Howard and Byron Jones. Can you really blame the Patriots for that game plan? Right. right? It, you know, that's the game plan even with the veteran quarterback. Right. So you go into this game and you're have Nelson Aguilar and Kendrick Bourne and Jacoby Myers going up against a really, really good secondary and a bunch of guys that pick the ball off pretty easily, especially Xavier Howard, right? He leads the league in interceptions last year. Do you really want Mac Jones throwing at Xavier Howard ten times in in this game? No. So the game plan for the most part, I was thought was pretty solid in terms of avoiding those guys. Where I had a problem with Josh McDaniels, and the biggest problem that I had with him was about eleven minutes to go in the game. It's second and seven from the uh, the Dolphins' eighteen yard line inside the red zone. And they run that toss to Damian Harris. And Mac Jones has gone eight for his last 10. He drives him right down the field. The play before that was the – or two plays before that, excuse me, was the Johnny Smith where he threw him the other side of the linebacker and uh, Smith made a nice adjustment on it up the seam. He drives him down the field. And on second and seven from the 18, instead of taking a shot at the end zone and trying to get the go-ahead touchdown – They run that toss play, they gain three yards, and they get into a third and four. And then after that, they roll the pocket and they give them a one read throw, right? They roll that pocket and they ran that flat concept that they ran a couple times to Jacoby Myers, which against man coverage, you get the pick, you know, you understand that that's a decent call there and it almost worked. It, It just was a little bit too far in front of Myers. But my overall point here is they had a really good chance to go ahead in that situation, And late in the game when they ran the football with Damian Harris, I kind of understood that they were trying to milk the clock a little bit there and see if they could run the thing down. But once they got into that that second-to-last drive was where I really had an issue with the ending play calling. You go run, run, third down, roll out, pass, where there's really only one read on the play for Mac Jones. Just ultra-conservative once they got down there. I thought that they really could have afforded to take a shot at the end zone there.
1: Yeah, it would be nice. And, I, you know, I saw some people saying Mac didn't throw the ball in the end zone once, which is true. Yeah, There weren't a ton of routes run in the end zone. So it's not like he had a ton of opportunities to, right? The one play when they really get down there, he throws it short, and they end up throwing a touchdown anyway. Six points is six points. I don't really care where he throws the ball, right? Go so, ahead. I again, I think there's room to grow but room to grow doesn't mean he was bad. And yeah, I, I, I think it's as much Josh and I don't entirely fault them for being careful as a whole. Like you said, you know, avoiding the dolphins, great cornerbacks. That's just common sense. You're going to do that, but you know, it's more. And if that was the game plan that week, because it was week one and you know, you can't expect him to come out and look like that better safe than sorry. Right. And maybe that's just what it was. And he looked better than they thought and you know, good problem to have. You just hope that's not going to become a theme this year where it looks like Matt can do more and they're just not giving him that opportunity. So I, you know, we'll see what, what happens going forward. I, I you know, I'm not going to sit here and say, Oh, I think they will be fine. Or, Oh, I think they'll hold them back. Like, we don't know. Right. right. That's going on in that building. And they're having meetings about that today and tomorrow and, and yada, yada, yada. But um, you know, I, I'd like to think that that's something that was just a one week thing. It was all right. Good defense for start good corners. Let's just be careful with him and, and, you know, we'll open it up a little bit next week against the jets, but we'll see when it comes to that, because it, it wouldn't be totally foreign for McDaniels to just come out and be totally conservative for no reason.
0: Right. So not to belabor the point, but I just want to take through the sequence again. So, the third and seven play from the Miami twenty nine was the underneath throw to James White that gains eight yards and moves the chains right. The next play eleven forty eight to go in the game. Patriots down seventeen thirteen from the Miami twenty one. Mac has drove them down the field at this point with a couple of good throws on this drive, and they get into. Uh, first and 10 from the Miami 21, 11.48 to go. Damian Harris up the middle for three yards. Damian Harris left end for three yards. Mac Jones incomplete in the flat to Jacoby Myers, right? Those were the three play calls from inside the Miami 25. Once they got all the way down there, down 17-13, and they end up kicking a field goal in that situation, and they don't allow Mac to ever attack the end zone. And this is a quarterback, and I get it. People are going to hear me say this, and they're going to say, oh, well, Evan, in college, he was throwing a Jalen Waddle and Devontae Smith, it's different, yada, yada, yada. But, Alex, this is a quarterback in college, and you watched a ton of Mac Jones too. He was fantastic at taking shot plays from the high red zone to the end zone. Like – Elite right. at that, right? Those 20 to 25-yard touchdown passes to Devontae Smith were automatic for Alabama. So giving him a chance to go and push the football, whether it's Johnny or Hunter Henry up the seam or Aguilar on a vertical or just something, down towards the end zone. I think really that was when I felt like they McDaniels got a little bit tight with the play calling. And I asked him today about Mac audibling at a run plays because there were a couple of times where they were in single high, and I thought he could have checked into a pass to be able to beat the defense better, and he tore up single high for the most part in this game. And the answer that I got from McDaniels sounded to me like they're trying to avoid at all costs having Mac – audible into different plays at the line of scrimmage, right? McDaniel said, we try to avoid that. We try to call the plays uh, and be uh, good at calling plays at the right time and things like that. But maybe a couple of situations late in the game where if Mac had the full freedom of the offense at the line of scrimmage, he would see the single high safety. He would see man to man and say, let's spread this out and let's push the football down the field against this coverage. And, And I mean, that's another one where again, okay, so
1: they didn't want him audibling. Is that a week one thing? Is that a year one thing? Right. And we'll have to see and find out because I hope he, if, you know, if he'd come out and throw him like two picks, you're like, all right, yeah, let's, you know, let's pump the brakes. But based on what he did, I think it's time to put a little bit more on his plate. I think that's totally fair.
0: That's what that's what I'm saying, right? Is that if he had went out there and he had looked rattled and he had looked nervy and he had looked shaky in the pocket, and if he had thrown the ball around the yard all game and was flirting with an interception all all game long, then I would totally understand being conservative, right? Totally. But then, when you saw how well he played, it felt like the leash didn't need to be there right? It, it felt like they right. didn't need to pull back on him and they should have just let him go. What did you think about the new weapons? Look, I, I, the 12 personnel package didn't exactly come out like gangbusters. There was some flashes. Hunter Henry made a nice catch in the middle of the field for 16 yards. Nelson Aguilar had a nice game. Did you think that you saw enough from this new group of pass catchers to get excited out? Yeah, I did.
1: I did. And I, I know people I, I had in my mentions say, Oh, I still don't have a number one receiver. <laughs> It's also subject like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry they don't have prime Randy Moss. That's really going to screw them. No team has ever won a Super Bowl without prime Randy Moss. All of the best receivers in history, whether it be Randy Moss, Calvin Johnson, Terrell Owens, they all won Super Bowls. You need one of the, no. Um, I, I, I look again, there's a lot to be encouraged about. I think that you see when they put the pieces together, right? And we talked about this a ton during camp. You see where everybody fits when you go back, and I'm you know, it's easier to see on the coach's tape than it is watching on TV, or at least easier to see live when you can kind of see the whole field. You can see how John U. Smith is getting Jacoby Myers open, how John, uh, yeah, how John U. Smith is getting Jacoby Myers open, how Nelson Aguilar is getting Hunter Henry open, vice versa. James White, I thought, had a big game, and I've been saying yeah. he's a guy who's going to bounce back, you know you see all the piece coming together. I honestly thought one of the most encouraging things from Mac Jones, we haven't talked about this and it's Mac Jones and it's the offense as a whole as well. If you include, and it sucks because Kendrick Bourne caught three passes, made three nice plays, ran three good routes, didn't show up in the stat sheet because all three got erased by penalty. Yeah. But if you include the Kendrick Bourne targets that aren't in the official box score, Mac threw passes to nine different players and yeah. completed passes to nine different players. They didn't, you know, the Patriots offense didn't work that way last year, at least for most of the season. Early on, when Edelman was still healthy and and, and they weren't totally banged up, they were spreading the ball out a bit. Um, But, you know, by the end of the year, it was like two or three guys getting targets, right? So for them to spread the ball out like they did, again, nine different receivers catching passes. The Patriots are at their best offensively when they can beat you with all five eligible receivers on the field and force that defense to thin itself out. And that's going to help a rookie quarterback, too, because you can't disguise what you're doing as well. So that, you know, it's, it's a take about the receivers, it's a take about Mac Jones, however you want to categorize it. I just, to me, that was one of the most encouraging things of the whole game.
0: Hey, Pats fans, when I say the name Willie McGinnis, what word comes to mind? Defense, champion, what about legend? Well, add to that list entrepreneur because number 55 is one of several athletes who are investors and owners in the athletic apparel brand legends that's right willie along with guys like steve nash baker mayfield matt barnes former celtic marcus morris senior and even entertainment icon quavo are just a few of the names building legends into the hottest apparel brand in the market visit legends.com today to shop the latest trends in athletic apparel from shorts Tees, hoodies, and more, and save 20% when you use our code PATS20. That's Legends.com, and promo code PATS20. Offer ends October 10th. Yeah, the spreading the football around was nice. I, the other sort of gripe I had with Josh McDaniels was – I felt like there was more opportunities to hunt matchups in this game than what the Patriots ended up doing. They were able to get James White on that linebacker, Jerome Baker on the wheel route. That was a nice play. But Hunter Henry and Johnny Smith, when you come out in twelve personnel and the defense is putting three linebackers on the field, they should be able to find a matchup with a receiver on a linebacker that they like at some point, right? Like they should be able right. to scheme that up. And the Miami Dolphins did it a couple of times with Dante Hightower and Juwan Bentley on Miles Gaskin, right? You, there should be an opportunity for those tight ends to get on a linebacker when they're matching 12 at a base defense and and note that kind of comes into the conversation I was just having about how much freedom Mac has right because if Mac sees they're in base even if they are playing too deep and it's not technically a loaded box I would love to see them start condensed and then break it out once they see the personnel for the defense because someone's getting a linebacker whether it's the back, whether it's one of the tight ends, somebody is going to get a linebacker in that matchup. So hopefully that's the next iteration of that package. And I think that's when this package will really, really open up. I, I thought overall though, it- there's a lot of people because of the drops, because of some of the injuries that they heard about over the summer. Uh, the- Nelson Aguilar had already gotten some people hot and bothered, right? Like it, right. it was, more- we were seeing it in our, on our show. I'm sure other people were seeing it on other shows that Nelson Aguilar was already starting to catch some heat. He played very, very well in this game. He was where he would need it to be when he was supposed to be there. And that might have been more important than the field stretching ability that he did show. I broke down the play a couple minutes ago, uh, although it wasn't an 80-yard bomb, it was still a vertical route to Nelson Aguilar, and that's exactly what you want to see. You want, The seam splitter was another vertical route where they got him in the number two position were able to get him up the field between the safeties. So, Nelson Aguilar played his role in that offense on Sunday. Five catches, 72 yards, gave them some vertical ability down the field. Hopefully, now that Hunter Henry's healthy and they get some more reps together in that 12-personnel package, that will start to open up as well as Max starting to open it up from a mental standpoint too and being able to attack those matchups i i felt like we're only scratching the surface of what they are what they're capable of in that 12 personnel package and we didn't fully get all of the matchup nightmare type of situations that i think that this will eventually present to them yeah
1: yeah i you covered it very thoroughly. I okay. want to make sure we keep moving because I want to see if we can take some questions. So if I had talked, I was just going to repeat what you said.
0: Fair enough. All right. Uh, wh- one last thing here about the offensive side of the ball. Um, oh, I guess two things. One, panic level at all, if at all, with the offensive line play. Obviously, you give up nine quarterback hits. The pressure was not good. Once Trent Brown drops out of the game, the running game wasn't as good at that point afterwards with Trent Brown leaving the game. So is it as simple as Trent Brown's injury is not that serious. So they plug him back in and it will be fine. Or are you at all concerned about the pass protection? Cause I was a little bit wary of the pass protection coming into the year. They lose Joe Tooney and you replace one of the best pass-protecting guards in the NFL with a bulldozing guard in Michael Onwenu, right? Much different style of player. And they came out, and especially on that left side, picking up games or stunts, whatever you want to call them, was a problem, right? Isaiah Wynn and right. Michael Onwenu working together was a little bit of an issue, picking up those twists by Miami. And the right side, once Trent Brown went out, no push whatsoever on the line of scrimmage. Yeah, I I
1: think when when you have – you know, you talk about Onwenu and, and Win. I think they can. You know, it's just getting used to it and working together. Win yeah. was probably a little shaky, more shaky than I'd like to see him. I'm willing to chalk it up to week one. And you know, those two. You know, Win had been working next to Joe Tooney for what two years, three years, and they just had that chemistry. I think you need to, you need to work on that. On the other side, I, if you're going to be relying on on Justin Haran and is yeah, Durant right and, yeah. and could use that's a little concerning. You know, if Trent Brown's not good to go, I'd like to see. And I think the reason they didn't do this against the Dolphins, I think you're the one who made this point to me was that they didn't, you know, maybe didn't practice for this or they didn't want to move things around too much during the game, but you know, right. if they know Trent Brown can't go. I'd like to see them practice and then go out there. You put Ted Karras in it, it left guard and then you move Mike on back out to right tackle. I think that could fix a lot of things. So, you know, Hopefully we see that. I think that's the way they get their five best healthy linemen on the field again. If Trent Brown can't go, and then even if Isaiah wins shaky, you know, I, I think that that rearrangement where Karis comes in and plays guard, you move Trent Brown over to the left side and put Michael and Wenu in at right tackle, um, and take Win out of the lineup. Like that needs to be on the table again. It's just one week, so I'm not saying they need to do any of that yet. Well, I I, I would do it if if Brown can't play, but um, right. you know, I'm not. If we're if we're still talking about this as an issue in October, then, yeah, we need to start talking about changing that configuration of the offensive line. Uh, But, you know, for one game where they lost one of their key players, the other side of the lines working together for the first time, I'm willing to say, OK, let's you know, let's give them a week or two to see what happens. It wasn't that bad where it's like, all right, this isn't going to work. Rip it up
0: right and you also I I mentioned it earlier in the show but 21 blitzes by Miami so Miami came after the contested yeah but that's the
1: thing I get you know teams are going to see that and the Patriots are probably going to get blitzed a good amount this year yeah
0: those twists uh, particularly up front that what Miami was doing was they were blitzing the off-ball linebacker and then twisting with him right they got the penetration from the the down guys and then they twisted the linebacker around and that gave the Patriots a lot of problems picking up that looper from the second level and that's a pretty difficult thing to do and that's something that you're going to have to work out in terms of communication and, and things like that with everybody involved the center and the quarterback obviously setting the protections but also those guys working together in tandem post-snap reactions to those types of plays so I, I definitely agree with you though on uh on Wendell kicking back out to right tackle and Karras going in at guard Karras was warming up on the sideline at one point so I think okay, it I didn't been- see that yeah. So I think it was in consideration, but they just tried to, the, the Patriots love continuity. It's a Dante Scarnecchia thing. They would much rather plug in one player and go one for one than start jumbling up the entire thing, especially on yeah. game day. And, and Bill Belichick's talked
1: about that. You know, he says, well, now you have two backups instead of one right. because even right. if he starts at one position, he's the backup at the other. The other thing, you know, Maybe some of it is, and and we know in the past Bill Belichick's treated September like essentially an extension of the preseason. They didn't get a look at Yasir Durant, obviously, in the preseason. He was in Kansas City. They just got him before roster cuts. So it could be as simple as that. It could be as simple as they wanted to see him. There was an opportunity to see him, and that's what they did. So. It was,
0: yes, your Durant was actually pretty solid in pass protection. He was clean. He didn't give up pressure and his pass production reps. It's just a clear, for anybody, there would be a drop off in people moving and and displacing on the offensive line when you go to Trent Brown to anybody else, really, right? No right. one else is going to move guys off the line of scrimmage in the run game like Trent Brown. So that, that's a big part of it. Really quickly, offense running backs are, what are we thinking here? Uh, JJ Taylor, a healthy scratch. Ramondre Stevenson, are we ever going to see Ramondre Stevenson again? Are they going to give him a little bit of leeway here with the fumbles? He also got ran over by Landon Roberts and Blitz yeah. pick up too. And not a good debut for Ramondre Stevenson. And it's way, way too early to to say this, but I just hope, I hope that the Patriots are not going to look back on this two months from now and say, why did we trade Sony Michel? I, I said that at the time. They were putting yeah. a ton of faith in Ramondre.
1: And look, he earned yeah. it. He played well in the preseason, but... You got you to gotta recover the ball. And I, somebody had the quote today, whether you think you fumbled or not, you should end every play handing the ball to the ref. Right. That's like one way or the other. So it's it The was ball down, came out.
0: The ball was live, and it right. gave the refs the opportunity to call it a fumble. Exactly. Right? Was he yeah. down?
1: Yeah, probably. He's still got to – it's not even so much he fumbles it. He doesn't make an effort to go for the ball. And then the blitz pickup thing for me is huge. That's as big because – He's got to make that block for if he's going to get playing time on offense, it's going to be in those in-between situations where it's run or pass because that's where Rex Burkhead played last year. He's not there. Somebody needs to fill that role. In theory, Stevenson's the guy. If he can't pass block, it's not going to happen. So I, I think it's going to be a little bit until we see Ramondre Stevenson again. I, he didn't look ready. He didn't look ready for the NFL in that game.
0: Yeah, he had one carry, and then he had the one catch, and he fumbles, and he didn't play after that, I don't think. Uh, well, I, no, I, he got – he had the I fumble. He, I think he and played, he, and then he got ran over by a Landon Roberts. Right. And I think and they,
1: that they only put him
0: in because it was the play Damian
1: Harris got his helmet knocked off Right, and right. Got the stinger or whatever it was. I think he cut his lip, it, so they had to take not, him out for a
0: play. It's not that Sonny Michel was some game-changing running back that the Patriots are missing, but he was a reliable running He's back. He's a guy you can trust, right? right. He's a guy you can trust. You can put him on the field. And you don't have to worry about it.
1: You know, we saw Brandon Bolden in that role late yeah. in the game, and I'm not totally opposed to that, but Sonny Michel's a better running back than Brandon Bolden. Yeah. And you can't, you know, people want to, I see people wanting to rip Damian Harris for the fumble. It's tough because they asked him to do a ton.
0: Yeah, that, that's, that that was my final point. I'm glad you brought that up because Harris ran the football 23 times, which isn't an exuberant number, right? It's not like it's a huge number, but he played a decent amount in this game, especially by Patriot running back standards. First game out, it was pretty hot out too. And it looked like towards the end of that game, he was a little bit gassed and then he fumbles and that sort of in that situation at the end of the game there is, is Damian Harris fresher and does that lead to him potentially not fumbling if somebody like Sony Michelle is still here right. they and didn't. he's able to only carry the football 15 times instead of 23 times? They didn't have anybody to spell him. That's what it comes right. down
1: to. He played 53% of the snaps. Patriots, yeah, you know, that's the They've had players here and there do it, but in terms of a whole season, they haven't had a, a running back with an over 50% usage rate since LeGarrette Blunt. They don't right. like doing that. And that's a big reason why they like keeping these guys fresh. You gotta be able to, you know, they need somebody who can spell Harris. I would think it's gonna be JJ Taylor here at least for the next couple of weeks. Um, but you know, it, it would have been Sonny Michelle if he was here.
0: That's that's the way I don't as much as you wanna put this on Damian Harris in terms of just he has to hold on to the football. That's obvious. But there is a little bit of revisionist history going on here with the Sony Michelle trade. If Damon Harris doesn't have to play that much in the game, how does that change things? And then they don't trust clearly. They either don't trust him or don't have a role that they feel comfortable with J.J. Taylor being a game day active, right? He's a healthy scratch. Well, I would say –
1: Here's the thing. I would say the reason they don't have that role is because of Ramondre Stevenson. If they don't trust Ramondre Stevenson, it opens up a role for JJ Taylor. Okay. You just got to hope he's up to it when it comes to pass blocking.
0: I would at this point next week I would not be surprised at all if JJ Taylor is the running back up and Ramondre Stevenson is yeah, the healthy scratch after what was uh, so. on Sunday. You got to put the guy in there that you can trust. All right, let's move over to the other side of the football. A couple of things, uh key things to hit on here. We're going to get to some of the quick game RPO stuff here in a second, but I do want to make the point. Uh, I watching the coaches tape again. The traditional. Run game, traditional drop back passing game that Miami ran. The Patriots' defense was really, really good against. Right, they just turned it around and and handed it off. Or Tua just drop back to pass. I would say even traditional play action, right? Not one that had an RPO element, but just traditional straight uh, drop back play action. The Patriots were extremely good at that as well. So you saw. This defense coming together in a way that when they got into that traditional stuff, really, really sound defensively, good coverage on the back end. The pass rush was married together. The run defense was solid. So the question is, are these other teams, because Miami ends up scoring 17 points. They only possess the ball for 23 minutes. They're four for 11 on third down. You'll take that performance. I understand it was frustrating to watch some of the uh, get easy throws that they gave up, and we're going to discuss how maybe they could p- potentially fix those easy throws. But all that aside, you have to take that performance from the defense on the whole, right? You expect to win a lot of games that you only give up 17 points.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and, and it was specific areas, I think, that they improved that they struggled with last year, mainly in the run game. And people are going to say, you know, point to the first drive of each half. Descriptive drives in the RPOs, I I don't know what that was. They, yeah. they That was a problem. The good news is Dolphins are one of the more RPO-heavy teams in the league. They shouldn't see as many for the rest of the year. The bad news is teams are going to see that film and put more RPOs in. So y- you need to figure out how to defend them. But, you know, I think it was 72 yards on 23 carries. It was It was – Three point two yards a carry, yeah. After last year, and that's with some of those bad RPO ones. So against the traditional run, they're holding the Dolphins to under three yards a carry, you take that. You take that. That's a marked improvement. That's a great improvement. They got after the quarterback, whether it was uh, Matt Judon, Josh Uche, Kyle Van Noy. They they got there. The pass rushers got home. Also, Christian Barmer wasn't near the ball a ton, but he was impacting that pass rush, and they had him doubled. This is a guy playing in the first half of his first NFL game and the Dolphins felt the need to double him on third down and leave Josh Uche one-on-one with their backup tackle, who he yeah. steamrolled. That way he went through Eichenberg on his sack. Right? Yeah. So Barmore is going to be a factor. He's going to be a problem for other teams. He, he looked really good, um, and those are two big things they couldn't do last year. They couldn't stop the run. They couldn't get to the quarterback. I thought ultimately, and yeah, there were individual pockets where they couldn't do it, and we'll talk about those, but big picture, They got to the quarterback. They stopped the run. That's really encouraging because that's what they spent all that money to do in the off season was improve the front seven. And it looked vastly improved.
0: So the traditional stuff, they played very well on the whole good coverage on the back end married at, like I said, with the front seven and When they just tried to drop back and pass against the Patriots and the stat that I threw out there was Tua in over two and a half seconds versus under two and a half seconds, right? Throw, that meaning time to throw, right? Time to release. When he released the football in under two and a half seconds, he threw for over 10 yards per attempt. When he held the football for over two and a half seconds and then threw, it was 3.7 yards per attempt, almost seven yards per attempt difference between those quick game throws versus the throws where he actually had to drop back, read out a coverage, and make a throw down the field, right? So a significantly better product in those non-schemed quick game type of plays. With that being said, all of them count. Right. So it's great that they didn't give up a great, uh, a big play down the field, really, or all these types of things. But this RPO package and quick game stuff, you need, we need to talk about it because th- this was a concern from this game. And right. in some degree, and I've now watched Tua against the Patriots twice, right? He didn't play in the first game against them last year. I think that was a Fitzpatrick game. So Tua against the Pats twice in week 15 of last year and week one of this year. The number one thing that stands out about him is that he is a really, really quick decision maker, right? He's really, really fast, especially on those run pass option concepts or the quick game throws to the outside at just reading the numbers, right? Reading the numbers game in the box and just deciding, is this a run play or is this a pass play, right? He makes that decision really well and really quickly. So you got to give him credit there, but what can the Patriots do better? What can they do differently? Because they gave up way too much space underneath and they got gashed on yards after the catch on those quick throws.
1: Yeah. It's, you know, you'd like to think it's as easy as me. It's where they miss Steph Gilmore because Gilmore is going to come up, jam that wide receiver at the line, not let him get off quick enough and upset the timing of that play. That's what they couldn't do. Devontae Parker, there's one slant route, like quick slant. He took for 15 yards. They just couldn't disrupt those quick routes enough at the line of scrimmage. That's what they were missing It's what they've been so good at for the last few years. I don't know why they didn't press more, uh, do more press man with J.C. Jackson. It might just been a week one thing. But um, even, you know, even if they did that, you you still have on the other side. So that that's going to be an issue to watch moving forward.
0: So that's the question, right? Is I wrote down this and this dreaded phrase that nobody wants to hear in New England because we used to watch it with Matt Patricia as the play caller for the defense. Ben, don't break, right? And I say that, right. and I I, it, I cringe coming out of my mouth with it. But when you have a secondary that's down their number one corner and you're going up against some pretty good skill players and Jalen Waddle and Devontae Parker, you can understand to a degree, the game plan of sagging off a little bit, giving up the 10-yard completion underneath instead of the 50-yard bomb for a touchdown, right? You can sort of understand that. The problem is is that based off the type of quarterback that Tua is, Tua, to me, is a lot more dangerous when you give him those types of quick read throws, right? When you give him – even force him to hold a football and try to push it down the field, I'm not as scared as, of him. But he is a very good quick game passer, and that's how they got beat. So – How do you fix it? Now the obvious answer, and I talked to, I asked Gerard Mayo this, I asked Mike Pellegrino it today, and Gerard Mayo said what they, everybody continues to tell me in the Patriots locker room about RPOs. Run players are run players and pass players are pass players, right? Basically saying the guys in the box worry about stopping the run, the guys in the secondary worry about defending the pass. The problem is, is when you go with that philosophy, and the RPO action is holding those linebackers in the middle of the field and having them step up to play the run, those underneath zone droppers aren't coming, right? So when they hit that slant, there's nobody dropping underneath it because that linebacker is creeping up into the hole. And then when they throw the ball out there on one of those quick throws, those linebackers, Dante Hightower, Jawan Bentley, they're not sideline-to-sideline backers, right? So you have a a receiver – breaking inside the formation. And then you have Dante Hightower and Jawan Bentley at 260 pounds, trying to come in from the inside to help out and make that tackle. Right. And that's the, the speed in the box for the Patriots is a limitation that we've known about for a long time at the linebacker position. And that would be the one Potential fatal flaw that I would worry about against these types of schemes is they just might not have the sideline to sideline speed, especially on first down when they're going to put those big backers out there to be able to close those gaps. Right. Because if you're a corner and you're sitting outside of it and you're outside leveraged against the slant and there's nobody coming into the middle of the field to close it down and help you make that tackle, then you're toast. And that's what we saw a couple of times. Yeah, you
1: know, and they've never been a big speed team. It 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 almost feels like, you know, the quote you gave, right? Run players or run players, pass players or pass players. Yeah. It almost feels like they're just content to get beat by the RPO. They figure you can't run it every down. Teams will pick their spots. It is what it is. You do your best to stop it. As long as they're stopping everything else, they can live with the RPO. It's not the best approach, but it doesn't It almost kind of feel like that's where they're at with it. That it's just yeah, a nuisance because- they have to live with
0: so the other the other strategy that you can go with and this is what college teams do right because college teams get RPO'd 15 times a week right right? so they have to come up with a better strategy miami ran 10 pass plays off rpos i don't have the number of run plays but let's say it was 15 total maybe It, it feels like right based off of how many times they ran it on sunday so that's a pretty high volume and that's why it really stood out as a problem and some of those plays weren't rpos some of those plays were just what are called check with me's, right? Where if the corner is playing off of him at the line of scrimmage, it's a run play the whole way in the huddle, right? They call right. you know run play in the huddle, but if the corner has got seven yards of cushion, Tua has that option to just pop up and throw it, right? He doesn't. It's not an RPO. It's it's just right. on Tua to make that decision. So those types of plays, you kind of have to live with, right? You kind of come up and make that tackle. RPO schemes in particular, the only other thing that you can do, and this is what college teams do, is play the pass, right? And what I mean by that is accept the fact that against the run, you're going to be down a man, right? You're going to be four on five against the run, rely on your front four to stop the run on its own and get those linebackers Off in coverage, right? And try to get underneath those slants and those in breakers that way. And if your front four gets beat up front, then those linebackers, yeah, they're probably already at depth seven, eight yards off the line of scrimmage. You come up, you tackle them for a gain of six and you live to play another down instead of giving up the gain of 14. Right. So the only issue with that, I don't know how well that translates to the NFL just
1: because the hashes are so much wider in college, right? So if you're running that to the short side, the linebacker can be in position to play the pat like think about where the hash is right even if the linebacker goes into that fa- that flat to play the slant, he's still much closer to the line of scrimmage in college than he is in the NFL. He needs to get much further out from where the ball was snapped to, to cover it in the NFL. so I maybe I'm being maybe I'm thinking too much into it, but it just feels like that strategy isn't as effective in the NFL.
0: I don't necessarily disagree that it's not a perfect strategy because these plays inherently, right. Are putting you in conflict. Like that's why they're so successful is because the linebackers are either, they have run responsibilities and they have pass responsibilities and you can't be both places at the same time. You, otherwise you're nowhere, right? So you kind of have to commit somewhere. You can't just be hanging out in no man's land. So that's the problem with It's a challenge to defend these plays. There's no doubt about it, but in the college game, They just say we're willing to give up six yards per carry. We just don't care, right? We're willing to give up five, six yards per carry. As long as they don't break off a big one on us, we're perfectly fine with it. Bill Belichick's philosophy is old school. I think it would drive them nuts to give up five yards, six yards per carry. Not that they're going to give up that much, but let's say it's even four and a half, right? I, I think that would right. drive him absolutely up a wall. So I don't think that they're going to play that strategy, but if they get RPO'd and they're going to play some teams down the stretch here, and even in the playoffs, if they play a team like Kansas City, who runs tons of RPOs or Buffalo in the division, will definitely take note of the RPO struggles the Patriots had against Miami because they have their own RPO packages. As well, Those right. teams are going to continue to just RPO the Patriots to death. And the best way to, I think, to defend it is to give up the run, right? And you have these big guys up front. You put Judon, Guy, Godshaw, and Dietrich Wise, or uh, maybe you put uh, a Dante Hightower or somebody like that, another big linebacker. Put those four guys up in the box. Have you play four on five against the run action. Hope you hold up enough and get those linebackers out of there. Right, get them out of there and get them underneath those routes. That that's to me the only solution that I see, other than just praying that you play good coverage on the outside with Joe right. Williams and Jalen Mills. And I I don't know until they get Gilmore back. I, I don't know if that's necessarily a viable strategy either. To just think that those guys are going to be able to survive and press man against Jalen Waddle the entire game or Devontae Parker the entire game. I mean, like you know, little we'll side tangent here. Jalen Waddle can play. That, oh, that yeah. guy's the real deal.
1: That guy, he was very, probably the most impressive rookie of any on the field. He was, he, the, the Dolphins have something there.
0: Yeah, he's, he's a big time game changer. And you don't, you also understand, look, when you go up against a guy with 4-2 speed like Jalen Waddle, pressing him is, sounds better in theory than it ends up actually being, right? Like it, that's, it's really difficult to get up there and somebody that, unless you know that you have safety help over the top all the time to get up in somebody's face and play press man against Jalen Waddle running a 4 down this field that's that's easier said than done right, right. I mean a lot of the time you know I, I've talked to a few uh, cornerbacks former cornerbacks in the league guys like Eric Crocker and stuff like that to do great film breakdown stuff on Twitter and I was talking about defending Tyree Kill at the time but Jalen Waddle kind of fits in the same category as Tyree Kill, honestly. And Crocker said, it's really easy to just say to a corner, in theory, just go up and press him, right? Just go up and hold him up at the line of scrimmage. He was like, if I'm out there against Tyree Kill, I am getting the heck out of there, right? Like, I'm getting on my horse immediately because you just right. – it's so hard to just square that, a guy like that up and just throw a jam and hope that you survive. It, it's just a lot easier said than done.
1: Yeah. Ho- hopefully soon the Patriots can get, cause that's kind of the one dynamic they're missing from their offense. Hopefully they get that guy, uh, that guy soon. Yeah. Another draft or two.
0: Yeah. All right. So do you want to talk about the Jets for the last couple of minutes here? Do you want to take some let's, questions? Let's take some
1: questions. This was supposed yeah. to be Q and A <laughs> show. Uh, we've gotten away to from to that Q&A. for a little bit and I want to get yeah. back to it. So we can do, I guess, a quick Jets thought when, while people get their questions in.
0: Sure. So let's. Uh, If you have any questions, you can drop them in the chat right now for the next 10 minutes. Alex and I will wrap up the show answering your questions. Quick take on the Jets. First and foremost, looking at the Patriots' offense, just early preview against the uh, Jets' defense – If the Patriots are going to be able to open it up at all this year and create some explosive plays down the field, they better be able to do it against the Jets, right? This secondary is not very good. They have a bunch of players hurt on top of the fact that they're not a very talented secondary to begin with. So if they're going to create some big plays, right, some some plays to Nelson Aguilar down the field, to the tight ends, down the seams, things like that, it should definitely come against this Jets team.
1: And I'll, I'll go on the other side of the ball. We, you know, we spent a ton of this week or this past week talking about, you know, oh, what is Brian Flores going to do to Mac Jones? And he's going to have something special for rookie quarterback, blah, blah, blah. And it's kind of annoying to talk about because it, it didn't end up coming true, but it felt like it was going to come true. Now we get to go the other way around. Yeah. Now Bill Belichick gets to put Zach Wilson in a blender. And that's going to be yeah. fun because I don't think Zach Wilson is going to be able to handle it. He's going to see ghosts. So I'm looking forward to that.
0: I think so as well to a degree. But the one thing, the one thing, and I'm doing this to not be a total homer, right? The one thing that you see with Zach Wilson based off that week one game is he does have that out of pocket creation ability, right? The ability to scramble and then throw on the run. He's very good out of structure in that sense. So if I'm Zach Wilson and I see Bill Belichick stacking the line of scrimmage and bringing pressure, I am just getting the hell out of dodge right? Like, I'm right. just not even going to stand there in the pocket. I'm just going to get get the heck out of here. So, I think that that, to me, is the one advantage that he might possibly have. Uh, so, there's a, if you're
1: good there, there's a really interesting question there about the running game and Cam Newton's impact.
0: Yes. Oh, and, this is a really good question. I'm glad someone asked this. Yes, let's pull this up. So, I would be
1: curious to know, I'm just going to answer your question with a question. I apologize for that. But, yeah, we talked about Sony Michelle and what he would add in terms of depth behind Damian Harris and kind of keeping some of the the workload off Harris's plate. Who do you, do you think they knew that they were going to cut Cam Newton when they made the Sony Michelle
0: trade? I don't know. Do you think they knew yet? That's a good question.
1: Cause I, you know, I can't help but wonder if they thought, you know what, we have Cam, he's going to run the ball. We have him to kind of balance it. When was the Sony Michelle trade? It was, was it before the Giants game?
0: Yes, I believe yeah. So
1: it was, a, you know, I think it was that Wednesday. I think it was the day. Yeah, it was the morning before Mac had that monster practice, the first of those two joint practices. Yeah. So it's very possible they made that trade thinking as though Cam Newton would be the starter, which is interesting. This is a great question. This is a great point.
0: So I, I do think. The second part of this point is something that we really need to discuss because I I almost brought it up today and I I was planning on bringing it up on Thursday actually, so I'm glad we got to it early. The threat of Cam Newton in the backfield in the numbers game. We talked about this so much last year, right? right? That Cam Newton essentially allows you to be plus one in the box all the time because of his threat as a runner. And being a good smash mouth downhill productive rushing offense with an immobile, co- you know, a quarterback that's not Cam Newton. I I'm, i don't want to get into this if Mac is mobile or not. I don't want people yelling at us. He's and, not Cam Newton in terms of mobility. Right. Without down. the running threat, you have to be a dominant, dominant, dominant run blocking team to be a really good rushing offense with a non-mobile QB, right? It just doesn't happen all that much anymore. San Francisco a couple of years ago was there. Right. Because they they had a really good scheme and they had a really good offensive line and that team was able to run the football despite Jimmy G not being a mobile quarterback. But most of the time, when you look at the history of the NFL in the last decade, right, most of the time, the teams that are towards the top of the league in rushing are Baltimore now with Lamar uh the Cowboys with Dak right you know good teams that have a threat at the quarterback position to run the ball so no I do not think that this rushing attack has the ability or I guess maybe the better way to say it is the ceiling that it did last year right it's just not going to be as good as it was last year now the passing game stuff should make up for that but I don't think that this rushing attack is going to be as good as what we saw last year
1: would you consider, would, would you put Tannehill in that category? Because they generally, no, but the I know that they have Derrick Henry. But. They're
0: another team that does it, but they also do it with probably the best back in the NFL. So I just Henry, so. Doesn't it feel like that kind
1: of has to be the model? And again, I love Damian Harris. He's not Derrick yeah. Henry. Nobody in the league is Derrick Henry. But right. d- that feels like the model, right?
0: Yeah, I would say, and they have a great offensive line too down there in Tennessee. So you better have, right. A really good offensive line, which you the Patriots a, do. a back to handle it, which maybe the Patriots do in Damian Harris, but he's not Derrick Henry, right? right? But overall, the the point that I'm making, the 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 ceiling of this rushing offense is not going to be at the caliber that it was last year because you're playing one short in the box and you don't have that mobile quarterback anymore.
1: Right. What else? All right. What else we got for questions? Here? All right. Here I we go. We just ran with a bunch of similar similar stuff.
0: <laughs> uh was a one other question I'm trying to find it um right here of course now now everybody's yelling at us about our take about the offensive <laughs> uh, about having needing a mobile quarterback to be able to run the football. Um do, are you the oh is Taylor the only one that thinks that Tua looked good in that game? He might yeah. be. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I he didn't look horrible, but Matt I mean Mac Jones was oh, a here's the quarterback. Question. Yeah. Right? The way that Tua, I mentioned it earlier, uh, the quick game stuff Tua was great, right? And, and you got right. the football out of your hands quickly and he makes good decisions. He understands the numbers and how to count it up and where the button, whether it's a better run play or pass play based off the look. He's really good in those quick game type of situations, but drop back passing that I was not impressed. And there was one player in particular where he had Jalen Waddle on a deep post route and they had uh it was like post over, right? And the Patriots run that a lot right. too. Yeah. And he took the dig route to Devontae Parker instead of throwing the post, even though Devin McCourty jumped the dig route and had to left the post one on one with Jalen Mills against Jalen Waddell. And he didn't throw the deep uh, post. And my, I don't know if he thinks he can get it there, honestly. Like, I, I don't know if he thinks that he has the arm strength to get it there. I, I still think the hip, I think that his whole career, that hip is going to be a question okay. in terms of
1: what it means for his, his throw power.
0: Yeah. Uh, Robert here asking if we think that Matt Patricia, because at times on Sunday, no, no doubt. It looked like a little Patricia-esque with the sagging receivers and the bend don't break stuff. I I still don't think it was full Patricia, but there was a little bit. They didn't drop Lawrence
1: Guy into zone. So, you know, how many times did Matt Patricia put on third down, put Trey, like third and 15, just put Trey Flowers into a shallow zone where he couldn't do anything. God, that was infuriating. So, we didn't see that. No, there there there's some Patricia fingerprints there. I think I you know whether it's for better or for worse I'd be shocked if there weren't, right? He's here for a reason. But uh yeah, I I, I don't know that he's totally it's totally up to him. I think it's still mostly Steve and 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 Gerard Mayo and of course Bill. But uh, yeah, there's fingerprints there for sure.
0: Yeah, I I a little bit, but I don't yeah, I don't think that there was a whole lot of Matt Patricia element to that game plan especially the way that they still got after the quarterback in those drop back situations i don't know and as you mentioned like we didn't see devon godshaw you know, dropping off the line of scrimmage into coverage right. or anything. Ridiculous peak. Like that.
1: What, once you start seeing your like key pass rushers dropping into shallow zones and or, or manning up on running backs on key third downs that's when you've hit peak matt patricia
0: yeah we're, we're not we're not a hundred percent there uh which is good which is very good, right? right I mean, right. we don't we don't want to be 100% there by any means. All Do we right. You want to I, answer this Quinn Nordine question because it's a good one. All right. Uh, there we go. All right. Let's end it on this one, Alex. Take the stage. Yeah. Uh, you put it on the bottom? I there tried. It
1: is. Um, is it coming? What's going on here?
0: There we go. It's uh, a little Yeah.
1: Stuff. It's interesting with Nordine because so
0: they can elevate
1: folk twice.
0: Right. And, or they, so somebody threw this out there the other day and you have to bring it up. They could Ross Ventrone folk. Right. Where they bring them up, they bring them up and sign them to the 53 for the game and then cut them right after the game and send and then sign them to the practice squad and then bring him back up for the game. And you know, they did that with Ross Ventrone, what like five or six times or whatever it was one year. Well, no, Ross Ventrone, they just kept
1: cutting and releasing. They, they right. Right. Sign him on Wednesday, cut him on Thursday, sign him on Friday, cut him on Saturday. Exactly. Um, so they're so not quite like it's in. So what they re- really, so they can elevate Folk twice. That's when the decision comes in. Yeah. And, you know, even if you do want to bounce folk back and forth, like you just said, which I I guess you could do, but at a certain point, somebody's going to sign him. Yeah. Somebody's going to sign him just to That's piss you way. off.
0: You Especially know. if he keeps kicking well, like he did on Sunday. Right. Yeah. And,
1: you know, I'm sure, you know, he says he likes it in New England. I'm not saying he's lying, but he lives in Dallas in the off season. His family's still in Dallas. Greg Zerline, I know we hit the game when he kicked, he didn't look great. Dallas stir's some money at him, I think he'd go. Yeah. I, I don't think, you know, you're guaranteed to keep him. So we'll see. What, and, but again, so even if you do want to go that route where you're cutting, signing, cutting, signing, are they going to keep Quinn Nordeen on the roster for the whole year and not use him? Right. I I, I it's just, it's so on them. It's so everybody who's on the 53 is on the 53 for a purpose. So it's, you know. Is the purpose just to redshirt him and make sure he can't get claimed? I guess but that's really not helping you win football games this year. And I've been the one preaching the four-year window. So I guess that kind of rolls into what I've been saying, but it, it would just, you know, that's an extreme, extreme example of looking at the four-year windows. I don't know what they're going to do. It's really interesting to see. I almost feel like in a game against the Jets that you should win easily. That's less consequential. Let Nordine kick and see because one of two things is going to happen. Either he's good And boom, you have your kicker. You're set, or he sucks, and then you can probably get another practice squad if he goes over three. Right. So I feel like I almost feel like they got to give Nordine a shot this week.
0: Yeah, I don't know that they will,
1: but I feel like they should.
0: It's not a bad opportunity, right? We're going up against a rookie quarterback and Zach Wilson, who looked a little bit shaky against the Carolina defense. It has a good front, but not a Bill Belichick coach defense, right? Right. Uh, You should feel like you have a pretty distinct advantage there. And you also have a really distinct advantage with the running games, right? They can the Patriots can hand the ball off and run the ball thirty times on the Jets. I don't think the Jets can do that against the Patriots, right? So yeah. there, there's they should win this game pretty easily, especially if they play against uh, play as like they did on the whole against Miami, and they repeat that against the Jets. That should be a very winnable formula against New York. Uh, I wouldn't mind seeing Quinton Ordean kick in this game. I do also wonder there. are there are some back, you know, fine print type of rules about injured reserve. Is there a chance that maybe they could say, oh, Nordine got hurt in practice, like, you right. know what I mean, like, and, and get him to IR at some point. Maybe that's part of the plan, but then he can't practice, right? So there's yin and yangs to that as well. But like you said, eventually they're going to have to make a decision here. Uh, between these yeah. two kickers, and it's clear that they trust Folk on game day a whole lot more than Quinn Nordine. Yeah. So my guess is is that if uh, maybe they try to get away with it for an extra week and not elevate Folk the second time until the Saints game or the Bucks game or something like that, but eventually that second elevation is coming. So you're gonna have to, uh, you know, do that soon. Uh, can we take one last question because I I meant to. Winovich. Talk... No, no, no. Uh, okay. I want to talk, answer this question, uh, Big GM uh, MGM coming in with some good questions here. We appreciate it. Dante Hightower uh, definitely did not look like himself in that game on Sunday. The space plays don't concern me as much, right? He's never been a guy that you want dropping into coverage, right? I mean, that's just not his game. But there were a couple of times in the trenches where he got cut down on one play in the hole. He was very blockable on Sunday, which is not normally what we see out of Dante Hightower, potentially injury related. I, I don't know. I'm not ready to say he's washed by any means, but uh, definitely not the Dante Hightower we were expecting on Sunday.
1: Yeah. I think he was hurt. There's that clip of him limping late in the game. Um, let, let's see what the injury report looks like on Wednesday and then go from there with him. That's kind of where I'm at. I, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to jump to any conclusions because I don't think we have the full story right now.
0: Yeah. Uh, here, let me pull it up real quick. I I'm, wondering how, how much did he play in this game? And maybe if in the future they'll have the ability to play him less, you know, and kind of maximize his snaps a little bit more, that I think might be a good possibility. He played uh 42 snaps, uh, 78% of the snaps on Sunday. So amount. that's a good amount. Yeah, big, big amount uh, for a guy that in his first game back. So maybe the answer there with Dante Hightower is to give some of his reps to a guy like Josh Uche. Right and and let UJ play some of those snaps off the line of scrimmage, or maybe you play some dime or or nickel looks with Hightower out of there from off the line of scrimmage too, and put Adrian Phillips or uh, Kyle Duggar or somebody like that in the box instead of Hightower. That that I think could be an answer because he might be best used at this point of his career, and maybe we're overthinking it or I'm overthinking it and overreacting, but he might be better used in this point of his career as a super sub, right? As somebody that comes in in certain packages plays 25, 30 snaps a game and is just great for those 25 snaps.
1: I think Geron Mayo did that at the end of his career. Didn't he? Sounds, sounds right. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I, I mean, I think that that's totally a role that, that that could make sense for him. I think, and if he's hurt even more so, you just, you know, you want to make sure that he's fresh for the biggest games of the year.
0: Yeah. All right, that wraps it up for today. We're gonna to be back on the show on Thursday afternoon to break down the matchup against the New York Jets on Sunday. So Patriots Jets preview on Thursday. Then uh, we will be back on the show next week. We might try to do Mondays for the post game uh, recap show. We're gonna to try to push it out on Monday if we can. If not, we'll be back on that same or on the same time, four o'clock on Tuesday as well. So make sure you subscribe to the channel. Patriots press pass make sure you also uh go visit our friends at betonline.ag and legends.com and go get your swag and go play some bets uh with bol and legends.com for the swag if you want the swag and alex and i will be back on thursday afternoon to break down patriots jets so thanks so much for watching everybody and we'll see you thursday